Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Debugging. This is now our seventh episode. We are rapidly approaching double digits. Very exciting. Thanks to everyone who is joining us, whatever day and time it may be when you are listening. Uh, if you're interested in joining our community, you enjoy our content, uh, our Discord information is in the show notes. Um, we also would love it if you would give us a follow on Twitter. Got like almost double digit Twitter followers too, so slowly working our way up the Twitter ranks. Um, we're mental, we're at mental debugging, exactly how the podcast is spelled, uh, and would enjoy engaging with you guys more. Um, we'll be utilizing these, these resources really for surveys and soliciting you all for different discussion topics, um, giving you guys a space to be able to discuss your own mental debugging that you would like to accomplish as well. Um, and we're going to go ahead and jump in. I'm Nathaniel and with me as always is Chris. Hello, I am here, and uh, you know, we have the book club, too. Don't forget about uh, the book yeah, club. There's we a do. lot of good mental debugging that goes on in that, even books that we don't... I think last... Well, the first the first month, I think we all read a book that we probably was just like, okay, that's a reasonable book, but then, what was it, October? The book we read this month was just like, yeah, probably wouldn't have picked that up normally. Yeah, um, uh, 100%. Um rape of the mind right was yeah the title yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a banger it'll really make you think um which is kind of the whole purpose of everything we're doing here so yeah we also are running a book club good reminder thank you um we currently have a few members that are in that and would love anybody else to join us uh if you want to have some like-minded or potentially different-minded individuals to read and discuss books with we would love for you guys to join us there as well during our last episode, uh, we debugged around relationships, talked about all of our external relationships. If you haven't had a chance to listen, it's a solid episode. You all should make sure to listen to it. Uh, this week is a spicy one. We uh, decided to be thematic to the time of year. Well, it was really Chris's idea. He got very excited about this when it all kind of came together. And uh, today's episode is set to release, uh, what is that, two days from now on Sunday, Halloween? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we're going to be discussing Dear There's going to be spooky sounds there once it's recorded. <laughs> yeah, fear. This editing. is, uh, yeah, editing. Insert editing here. Um, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, I, I know that you were kind of the one that brought it up. How, how often outside of, you know, thinking about this episode in this time of year, do you talk about or reflect on your fears, Chris? Because you brought I it don't. up originally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, Me other neither, than so. other than death, I mean, you know, other than that one, but like outside of fears beyond that, it's not something I think about that often, which was one reason I thought probably a good episode to talk about. Yeah. Uh, even while we were going through, I, I think last episode, we were like, what are we going to talk about next episode? And we were going through it and then we thought about Halloween and we're like, that isn't even on the list. That's how avoidant we are of this. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, fear. That was a big part of it. Yeah, fear is just not something we we tend to address, probably because it's scary and we're fearful of it. And uh, the idea of you know talking about it makes it more relevant and makes it seem more real. Like whatever we're afraid of still exists either way, but it seems more. You know, it, it, when it's front of mind, it's something you can reflect on and really get sucked into for sure. Yeah, um, you can get lost in your own mind over it. Yeah, so it makes it rough. So we're not necessarily talking about, you know, like 
fear of clowns or spiders and stuff like that. I mean, th- there's definitely something to yeah, like that. Yeah, like phobias. Yeah. Yeah, not, not necessarily that is what we're on about for this episode. It's more like the deep ingrained stuff, you know, your fear of, of you know, public speaking or relationships or commitment or you mm-hmm. know, things of that nature that really have a weight or impact in the way you live your life. Yeah. Yeah. A quote that you have shared with me multiple times and I've seen online, um, we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. Um, that quote, I feel like is really relevant to kind of what we're discussing here. Um, Cause these are the, the fear that we're talking about is really more the fear where you go down a rabbit hole of something that is uh, typically not founded in reality or it's it's a fear of something that may happen in the future or like the things you mentioned, right? Commitment, relationships, um, yeah. things more of that nature. And we can really think ourselves into those fears. Like there might not even be any reality to it, but we allow ourselves to go down that. And as I was researching and looking for this episode, what would you, did, did before I typed this out, obviously you've already seen what the answer to this is. What would you have guessed? And obviously you have biases now, so you might not be able to answer this, but <laughs> was the I most common say, fear in America? Did you, you know, have an I idea of what you would have thought? I don't think I necessarily have an idea, but what it is, is not, it would have not been that as the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, (laughs) if I had to think, I just don't, I don't know. That didn't cross my mind at all. I remember when we were typing up the notes and I saw it and I was like, you're kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Chapman university every year does a study on the most common fears in America. So they've got years worth of data to go back and look over. Um, and for multiple years running, the number one fear in America at 79.6% out of the 1,035 adults they surveyed, so over 1,000 people, 79%, so like 800-ish of them, um, their number one fear was corrupt government officials, <laughs> which is just kind of funny almost because it, it I feel like it's really a statement about our confidence in our own government for sure. Um, And then number two, three, and four, so second, third, and fourth two corrupt government officials on the 2020 list was all related to people I love dying related to COVID or contact contracting COVID. Um, So, you know, two, three, and four were all things of, of death for themselves, death of a family member, your self-contract, like it was all (laughs) fear of that. So the number one thing people were afraid of was corrupt government officials, followed by their lives, which is just like, it's crazy. It's and that, that I think really embodies that we suffer more in imagination than in reality. Like the idea of a corrupt government official and whatever we think may be happening there scares us yeah. more than... I would like to know what they think corrupt government officials like how that impacts their life in such a big way that it is more important to them than their relatives or themselves dying yeah so that's the interesting thing with fears like this is a lot of times they're so they can when you when you pull it back and you look at it holistically and you're like okay what what is this it typically isn't something that makes a lot of sense you know the fear of you mentioned commitment issues, like the fear of a significant other leaving you and being afraid to commit because you're afraid that might happen is all 
like while it may have happened before, there may be have been experiences that led you to feel that way. Like there might not be any actual grounds or evidence that would lead you to believe that your significant other that you're with now would do that, but yeah. people fear it, you know? So, or we are confirmation bias and we make evidence that isn't real. You know, with, mm. we basically shade reality with, with falsified evidence. We do that all the time with a variety of different things, but a lot of times fear is very much self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, I'm worried that my spouse is going to cheat on me. So I spend a lot of time talking to my spouse about how you're going to cheat on me and don't cheat on me and be careful where you go out and tell me wh who you're with and all this kind of stuff. And it mm. ultimately kind of pushes people away. And it's yeah. almost like you brought it on yourself because of the way you treat your relationship because of the fear that you have. Mm. So, and it's, we had talked about this a little bit when you were typing out the university results of, you know, the governments that actually have insane corruption, not to say that we don't, but we're talking about like North Korea style corruption here. Um, the governments that actually have that, like I would wager that their fear is not the government. Their, their number one fear is probably just starvation. Survival honestly. or, yeah. yeah. And so that's, that to me is kind of interesting too, is like the ones where we're not necessarily that corrupt, we're worried about corruptness. The ones that are really corrupt, they're just worried about living. So they, yeah. it's almost flip-flopped a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it could be that we see things like that happen other places, right? Some A place like North Korea, for example. And, you know, people compare and contrast world leaders to other world leaders. And so they look at our officials and they say, oh, this person did this, which is similar to this other, you know, corrupt proven corrupt individual somewhere else right and then it makes them think oh maybe we're headed in the same direction that they are you know this is the ways that my liberty is going to be compromised if this person does x y or z i almost wonder how little about the other countries they actually know honestly and it's mm -hmm. less about comparing to other countries and what their countries have done or even comparing to history and what history's done because oftentimes people uh inaccurately remark that as well and it's more of, you know, the way the media portrays things and their family portrays things and the information that they allow the, to themselves to be influenced by. Um, mm -hmm. I, and that leads to people being distrustful of what other people are doing. You know, mm -hmm. like we read in The Rape of the Mind, which is a books about brainwashing and, and how things like the Holocaust basically happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of really messed up stuff about how politicians and police and other humans can you know change your opinion and brainwash you and make you you know not realize who you are or beat you down until you give in to what they want yeah distort your reality to whatever they want it to be and a lot of that is with that fear right and they they tap into that primal that primal instinct that when we get truly afraid how we can you know fight or flight or um just go down that that negativity rabbit hole. So yeah. you have typed here, be scared, but not afraid. Tell me more about that. I've never heard that phrase or idea before. So I was reading uh, Courageous Calling, which is by Ryan Holiday. It's a book he recently came out with. Um, and he mentions it in the book because he has a whole chapter or a whole part in the book about fear specifically. So really good timing on when I was reading that book. And <laughs> yeah, how fortuitous. Yeah, didn't know that was going to be the case, but it worked out really well. Um, so he talks about how, you know, 
being scared as a temporary thing. It kind of helps alert you to potential danger in your life or, you know, just kind of like hypes you up a little bit. Um, Whereas being afraid or being fearful is what really kind of drags you down and weakens you and almost paralyzes you and prevents you from taking action on your life. And so he said, you know, if you're, if you're going to be scared, that's fine, but keep going anyway, you know, don't, don't be Mm -hmm. so scared that you don't make some kind of action or make some kind of step forward. Uh, which I thought was really powerful. Yeah, lot net, lot netting, not letting <laughs> rather <laughs> our uh, our fears control us or you know enslave us really and hold us hostage to our own thoughts or or fears. Yeah. Um, but rather, you know, rationalize them, come come to them and come to terms with what they are. And it doesn't mean it's not a scary thing. You know, it's. It's scary to have a difficult conversation with somebody that you care about, about, you know, something that's going to be a challenging topic. Um, It's scary to leave a job and go to another job. Like, those are all things that are scary, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do them or can't do them. That makes sense. Well, I think the difference, too, is um, let's say you're going to have a difficult conversation with your partner. You know, you're scared of the conversation, but fear is when you get stuck in your own head and you decide not to have the conversation because you've planned out this future of events that hasn't actually occurred and may never occur because you're making a bunch of assumptions on how your partner's going to react without ever giving them a chance to actually react to it. Yeah. So I think that is kind of what fear really is. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. It goes back to that suffering more in our imagination. <laughs> You know, assuming we know the outcome. Yeah, he points out in the book that basically all the energy that you spend being afraid of something, um, like all the energy you spend thinking that something will get worse is basically energy that's not spent making it better, trying to improve your situation or trying to move forward with your life. It's kind of like conceptually it's similar to the idea that it's better to come to the table with solutions than problems. Because Mm -hmm. if all you're doing is bringing forward problems, nothing's going to actually get accomplished. But if you think it through in a solution-based mindset where you want to, you know, overcome it, then you come to the table in a much more positive manner, trying to overcome it and move past it instead of dwelling on the problem itself. Similarly, you know, being able to move past your fear um, involves us taking action a lot of times and doing something about it instead of you know, allowing it to sit there and us dwell on it and do nothing about it. Yeah, definitely. One of the quotes from the book was, our battle with fear is a full-time job. None of us have it handled so well that we can afford to spend much time monitoring how other people are doing with theirs, then or now. And the best we can try to do is learn from our peers past and present and apply their lessons to our own life, which I thought was really good because it's, you know, we get... We oftentimes get caught up pushing judgments and thoughts onto other people and kind of analyzing their life and what they do wrong um, <laughs> and yep. kind of holding their feet to the fires, so to speak, uh, without ever really doing that with ourselves. We, it's very often that we're not uh, we're much more critical of other people than we are with with ourselves. And, you know, that that really should be something that changes. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's. uh None of us have it handled, so I'm rereading over it a couple times here because I'm a. It sometimes takes me a second to let it all kind of sink in, <laughs> but really, you know, getting caught up so much in our. So in this, it's talking about how much time we have to spend with our own fears to be able to move past them, but how much, like we we try or or 
basically we don't have our own fear handled so well like we don't have it handled and under our own control well enough that we should be judging people for how they approach their life and the fear that stops them Mm -hmm. because we're too busy trying to manage our own essentially yeah and and accepting that accepting that like i don't have time to try and solve somebody else's fears right that's something that's deeply personal that they have to uh work through that we can't and it's not it's not our our job or responsibility to do so and really it's more detrimental if we attempt to take on somebody else's fears for them you know than they're not ever actually getting past it's one of those like sticky situations i mean you mentioned you know it's good to bring solutions to the table instead of problems and you know the oftentimes people like it when you bring solutions to the problems that are had but there's times in life where people just want to complain and they don't Mm -hmm. want solutions and they really just want to bemoan their life for whatever reason and by offering a solution it actually upsets them and so it's the same thing with this i think where if you know they're feel for fearful of something it's almost like yeah yeah, you know maybe give them the tools to take a look at it but whether they do or not is kind of outside the scope of your responsibility because at the end of the day you it's you that you're responsible for yep yeah for sure so uh, you mentioned you don't talk about or reflect on or think through your fears that often do you feel like you are aware of what they are or like is it something that just kind of sits back on the back burner for you that you don't put a lot of effort into my fears these days um i don't spend a lot of time with them Uh, i think i probably used to live a little bit more in my head thinking through the future of the things that could come and the events that could happen and stuff Uh, But over the last year and, you know, meditations is a huge component to that, I think. Um, Over the last year, not the action. Right. Yeah. The book, um, having discovered that book and meditation in general is a good practice. But um, (laughs) having kind of discovered that I can more easily recognize when I'm in a fearful state over something and when I'm kind of taking it a little out of control. Uh, Mm. And so it's been a lot easier for me to just say, yeah, we're kind of overthinking this. Like we're getting too far into the weeds on this. Like if it works out great, if it doesn't, that's fine too. You know, amorphati and kind of yeah. move on from it. So, yeah, that amorphati, I think, has really helped me. That that mentality of loving your fate and accepting everything that happens that's outside of your control. Um, if you can really truly embody that, it really does alleviate a lot of those fears because if you're saying hey this is like i'm fearful that back to some of our previous examples right i'm fearful that a significant other might leave me or that like i'm gonna lose my job or any of those kinds of things those are all things that are outside of your control um and the only thing that you can control is you so taking that approach for me at least has really helped me kind of let go of a lot of that stuff uh, yeah. and not hang on to it like you said not hold it so close not spend so much time with it and that's how i got through last year essentially i mean after reading meditations i was furloughed for three months and then it was kind of like a you know wow never thought this would happen and then there was a lot of up in the air about whether or not i was going to come back to a job at all and mm-hmm. i spent maybe a couple days like having a difficult time with it over the summer but the rest of the time, I was just 
busy reading and just busy doing my own thing and just kind of going with it. And then when news came down that, you know, some of us wouldn't be going back to the office, I was like, okay, I'll update my resume and I'll look for work. I'll find it eventually. Let's get back to reading. Like there's no time to waste. I told myself I would come out of this process as a better person. And that's the best I could do. Cause that's what I could control. And yep. everything outside of that was like, eh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like that logic and realistic approach can really help alleviate because that the, those are kind of the two pieces it's like we're logically assessing and looking at what the thing is that we're worried about and then accepting it and moving past it like it is that sound similar to how you've approached some of those fears yeah i think it's a if, if you can i mean you have to recognize that you're in a fearful state and that you're kind of mm. building up your own anxiety about something before you can take a moment to step away and look at it logically because Admitting at the end of the day the first step. yeah 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 because <laughs> at the end of the day it's kind of like if you can't see that you're being that way you're you might shut down the idea that somebody else even sees it you know a friend could see it and they maybe want to approach it with logic but you're just so into it that you're just going to come up with excuses to deflect anything um so yeah you kind of need to get to the point where you can feel you need to get more in touch with yourself so you can kind of feel like, okay, I'm making this a big issue. It doesn't need to be a big issue. So let's look at it in pieces. Um, you know, like when I was applying for the the promotion recently, you know, when you go through the interview and you stress out about all that kind of stuff. And I remind myself with each step, like at the end of the day, I still have a job. I still have an income. How I do in these interviews does not take away from the work I do now. So let's just go in and have fun. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I'm glad I got the opportunity. And that's, you know, that's good enough. Yeah. Accepting and appreciating the pieces that we can, you know, that are, that are tangible, that are in front of us, uh, instead of fretting about potential outcomes and, and living, I mean, living in now, you know, not living in some future state. The book we read our first month, 4,000 weeks time management for mortals wait 4,000 weeks yeah right yeah mm -hmm. had a moment was like did I say I Is think I said weeks? like 4,000 yeah I was like did I get enough weeks there <laughs> is um, that all the weeks we have that's all the weeks people that's, that's it all you that's get. it yeah 80 years um so in the book uh they talked about how much we put things off to the future or plan for the future and put all this, this stock and weight in the future when none of that could happen. Like the world could end tomorrow. Any amount of things could happen between now and then that could send that plan awry. That doesn't mean it's not worth planning or worth making sure that you're prepared and doing what, whatever it is that you wanted to do to accomplish the thing you want to do next year. But if all you're doing is putting all your stock in the future, then now is is probably largely fear because you're spending your time thinking about that future, wanting that future, hoping for that future, which makes all things that could take away from that future fearful and scary. And if 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 someone gets stuck in that uh, and and spends all of their time in that kind of mental space, like that's got to be immensely challenging and. Mm -hmm. And it, it would understandably put somebody in a state of fear most of the time because anything that comes along that is a threat to their potential future, you know, somebody else getting promoted or 
um, their significant other going out with somebody of a, the opposite gender for a dinner that's like an old work friend or something like that. Like any of those kinds of things that come up are like, oh gosh, this could be, this could be the thing. This could be the problem that sends, you know, I knew it all along or like you said, that self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. So it's the things that come without you expecting it that hurt the most. Those are the things that devastate you the hardest. You, you spend the whole time thinking about the future, but you don't think about the right things in the future. You don't think about how it could fail. You're too busy thinking about how you want to succeed. And so anything that happens is devastating. And that's mm-hmm. really the wrong place to be. And we need to do better about not ignoring the things that we're afraid of or trying to explain them away and really just trying to live with them. You know, Ryan mentions in the book that you you really shouldn't worry about whether things are going to be hard or not because they most certainly will be. It's mm. inevitable and it may not be all the time, but he said that, you know, life it's will a good be a statement. Yeah. <laughs> he said that life will test you. So it's wasteful to be fearful of it. And our struggles become our, our experiences, our lessons, and basically the armor that you wear to protect yourself moving forward. So it's, yeah. you know, it's pretty important. That's true. I mean, if you if you haven't struggled, you in in a specific way, and you encounter an issue, if you've never encountered that before, it's going to be much harder than if you've, you know, you've dealt with that before and you've struggled and you've made it through situations like that or or any yeah. kind of difficult situation. Really, you know, the more of those kinds of things you make it through, the more you realize, like, hey, I'm not that fragile. Um, I forget what there was an MMA fighter that. Um, did an interview at length with somebody and they were talking about, he was talking about how early on they asked, you know, when did you know you wanted to be a fighter? And he talked about how early in his life, like he got into a, a fight in elementary school and got beat up by a couple kids. And he remembered, you know, in that moment he's getting, you know, knocked around and these three kids are knocking him around. And it sucked in the moment, you know, it was scary. It was, it took him off guard, all this stuff. But after the fact, he was like, I realized I lived through that and I made it through that. And if I can make it through three guys beating me up, then I can sure take on one guy. And that was how he got into fighting. So that kind of mentality, you know, being able to make it through the situation and look back and say, while that was a bad situation or a challenging thing or something to be fearful of in the moment like it's something to be scared of in the moment getting jumped by three people um but once you make it through that and you look back on it that's a hundred percent armor he can wear proceeding forward right where he's so much better in that situation if it happens again um and it even fueled a career for that guy because he took his fear and he took something he was fearful of that happened to him and and grew through it and really kind of found himself in it um I don't remember yeah. what where exactly we were at before I got on that topic, but it was it just it seemed it it was not something I pre- prepared to discuss. But you know, situations like that arise all the time. Like twenty twenty, you mentioned how hard of a year it was for you. Like, <laughs> add on top of that, I had Lyme disease last year. I went through a divorce last year. I had a cross country move last year, all during the pandemic. Um, so it was, you know, it was a mess and all of those things would be really easy to just go down a negative rabbit hole about, but being negative about it has never accomplished anything, you know, sitting there and complaining and saying, woe is me for all of these things happening at the same time. Like that doesn't 
actually accomplish anything that doesn't in any way solve any of those problems. Like I got to address them. I got to deal with them in the ways that I'm capable of dealing with them and I got to move past it. Um, and the time will continue to tick forward whether I do anything about it or not. So it's better for me to do something than not. And that, you know, that helps address those fears that helps us overcome and, and not live, you know, in them and, and just sit around and wallow you know yeah brian points out that uh basically when you look at the things that paralyze you that you miss because you're so paralyzed of the fear that you have um the real terror in life is you know what you miss out on by not taking action by basically not doing anything at all no matter how small it is Mm. um he talks about how you know pretty much all growth comes from a leap in the darkness a journey through things you've never encountered or have never experienced and it's because that you kind of repeat repeatedly push yourself towards things that you fear that you grow and it kind of carves out your path in life and carves out your character too kind of is mm-hmm. who you are ultimately mm-hmm. yeah uh the 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 corny you know facebook quote in like sparkly letters that pressure makes diamonds type thing oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um as ridiculous as it is, like that kind of thing generally is true because those who struggle and make it through those challenges, like those are opportunities to show your character uh, under immense pressure or in fearful settings. Like that's where you can really step up and, and overcome and, and prove that you're more than you thought you were or more than, yeah. you know, it's an opportunity for growth. Unless you, you know, unless you crumble, I mean, that, which certainly happens. I mean, we hear the success stories of people that get put under pressure and they come out on the other side, but there's many stories, I'm sure, of people that get put under it and, you know, they fall apart from it. So, and that's okay. It happens, right? Like, it's not everybody is going to come through every fearful situation perfect. Um, but when you don't and when you realize, like, wow, that was a mess and I handled that awfully, like, owning up and understanding that and figuring out what you can do differently going forward and what you can learn from it and, and how you can grow from it. You just mentioned that opportunity for growth. Like even those failures are opportunity for growth, maybe even more so than somebody who succeeds in that challenging, you know, situation. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think failures are a lot more valuable. Mm -hmm. Ryan mentions in the book, he has a question that he kind of asked himself when he's caught in fear So he says, when caught in fear, ask yourself, what if everyone acted this way? What if everyone were so afraid to act? What kind of world would that be? Are you assisting in the fabrication of that horrible world? So, you know, is that the kind of world you want to live in where everybody's Mm. so afraid to do something, to act on something? What if everyone acted this way? Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the idea of like you know be the change you want to see in the world and if you if you want people to step up and you know take on their fears you kind of have to step up and take on your own you have to lead by example Um, people are willing to believe me people are willing to take the easy route and do the easy thing if if you are the example showing them that you can do that and that's fine (laughs) yeah but people will also step up like the right people will step up if you challenge them and and they see or you challenge yourself and they see it, like sometimes other people will step up and be like, you know what, I could do more too. Mm. Um, not everybody, but th- there are definitely people that do that. Yeah. Anybody who has that capacity or capability but wouldn't necessarily take the leap first, 
you know, getting to see somebody else do it and take it on and stand up for whatever it is or, or do the thing, um, absolutely can encourage others to do the same. You know, if you're in a public setting and you see somebody speak up about some, something that they don't feel good about that's happening in front of them, like that encourages you to be able to take their side and say, Hey, yeah, I don't either. Um, and can really make that lasting change and, and overcome the fear of getting involved in the situation and whatever may be going on. You you have a, a note here, fear setting. What does that mean? So fear setting, um, there's a TEDx talk from Tim Ferriss and he talks about fear setting. It's something that he practices. So essentially it's the act of defining and articulating the nightmares and anxieties or doubts that you have about your life or the things that you're trying to go through. So it, it helps you identify what they are and then you start to meditate on those kind of evils that could occur. So the Stoics called it uh, pre-meditatio malorum, which is basically thinking about the way you could fail or all the way that things could go bad. Uh, It sounds very terrible to do, but ultimately what we find is that when we kind of forecast the bad things that could occur to us, um, if they do occur, they land softer because we've already Mm. mentally prepared for that. Um, you know, I've heard that some companies for projects do the same kind of thing. They don't just talk about this is what we want to do. They also think, okay, if that's what we want to do, what could, what could keep us from doing that? What could, you know, happen, you know, what could make us fail this project? And by doing that, it helps them circumvent potential problems that could come up down the road. And if they do come up, they've already thought of solutions for it before it came up instead of it happens and it derails the entire project. So it's the same kind of you know, process for yourself, um, as kind of you approach, you know, different areas of your life. Hmm. That's an interesting way to view it. I mean, it's similar to a variety of other things where you got to spend time and reflection on it to be able to overcome it or understand it. So this is very similar along the same lines. However, it's not something that we would commonly think to do with no, our generally fears. we would avoid it <laughs> yeah. yeah generally we only it's more like Ooh, don't stuff. yeah don't talk about that don't think about that why would you why would you say that why would you think about that yeah. you know stay in the good live only in the good uh but not the bad you you know, you're going through a pandemic you think about you know the fact that you could get sick what does that mean what is how could it impact other people how do i prep for that yep. or you know you're in furlough and i could lose my job you don't just sit passively and not do anything, you have to realize that I've spent time thinking, if I do lose my job, what's after that for me? Where do I go from there? What skill can I learn right yep. now? What can I work And you took on? action too. You said you updated your resume and prepared yourself. That I was, that was looking for other stuff. Yep. Yeah. I had yep. already found several that I was interested in applying for um, when the news was coming. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was ready. I mean, uh, there was maybe a day of like, uh, you know, this is not a position I want, but after that, it's like, you know, well, let's let's keep moving forward because yeah. I'm going to have to move forward anyway, unless I feel like I'm going to end it. And that's probably not an option. So is it? Oh, man, I think I actually quoted this the other day to you, too. I don't remember what the context was when I Uh-oh. did this before, but I think it was Lil Wayne. It was either Lil Wayne or Rick Ross where they <laughs> said prepared for the worst, but still praying for the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah irrelevant you know you got to be prepared and and think through those negative things um i don't think this is necessarily what wayne was talking about when he said it but 
Um, it's hard to say <laughs> with, with him, unfortunately. Yeah, we would Thinking need him through. here to tell us what yeah, was on. We his might mind. not be big enough to get him on yet. Maybe one day. <laughs> but but the, yeah, little Wayne, did you or did you not specifically mean overcoming your fears from like a what did you call it pre meditatio Malorum, Malorum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you meant? <laughs> when you said prepared for the worst, but still prepared? <laughs> but, but back, you know, on topic here. So it it truly is an act of of thought beforehand. And it's not just thinking through the positives and the things that we want to happen, but also the ways that it could go awry and prematurely accepting them. Like, it's not just thinking about them. Because if all yeah. you did was think about them, I mean, that's just being afraid. <laughs> yeah, recognize that they are very, they're a real possibility. Even things as extreme that we don't want to think about, like death and stuff, like it's a real possibility. Yeah. Um, and, and to think about those things and prepare for them just makes it that much easier. When And it, that much nicer when they don't happen. But like I said, when when they do, should they come up, it, it lands a little bit easier and it's a little bit easier to work through. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. You know, it, anybody who... <laughs> You think about the, like, doomsday preppers or the people who, like, doomsday say things, and people who had said pandemics were coming were well-prepared for it and not surprised by it, whereas the rest of the world is like, oh, my God, everything's on fire, you know, like, it's all <laughs> falling apart. Um, but people who, who studied that stuff and understand that stuff best, uh, or those who that was their biggest fear and they spent the most time in reflection about it, were more prepared for it. Um, and we're more, more aptly, you know, set up to be able to mentally handle that as well. Cause it, there's the physically dealing with whatever thing happens, right? There's the ability to talk through it, whatever, but there's the mental side of it too. And the psychological side that happens when something we're afraid of happens that has to make it, you know, 10 times harder if we haven't whatever amount of times harder. 10 times it just sounded good at the time, but it's got to make it more challenging to actually reconcile and deal with in the moment. If we haven't, those are the things that could crush you, you know, or the things that you don't expect. And I, I mean, the pandemic is a good example because a lot of people act as if pandemics have never occurred. Um, yeah. <laughs> when this whole thing goes on and it's just kind of, you know, for me, and my fiance, we were just kind of like, eh, there's something going on. I feel like we should prep a little bit for this. And then instead of watching the news and all that kind of stuff, which I'm going to avoid even more, I already avoid it. But after reading The Rape of the Mind, like there's no way that stuff is going to be in my house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so after, uh, but, you know, during that whole time when everything was shutting down and it was becoming clear that we're in a pandemic situation. I mean, for me, it was like, it's happened before, so now let's take the time to read about history and learn about the other pandemics and really get a better lens on what history has brought us and understand it. And that takes a lot of the fear away because it was just kind of like, this has happened plenty of times before. This is not the first time. 1918 was not the first time. Like It's, an, it's a reoccurrence. And then I read How to Survive a Pandemic, and that kind of gave light to... Yeah, COVID's a thing. Uh, you know, COVID nineteen's a thing. Um, but there's a virus out there that's significantly worse that everybody that is in that field, virology field, are actually that's the one they lose sleep over. And mm. uh so as I've read that book, like I'm like, Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do my best for the COVID thing. Uh, but I'm not gonna lose sleep over COVID. Let me tell yep. you. I'm worried about the other one now. 
<laughs> oh, so you, you got a, a bigger new fear. fear. Yeah, and you find There's something else. There's always a bigger fear. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, oh, this one's got like a 2% mortality, but this one's got a 50%? I, I'm worried about that one. Yeah, so, that's a lot of times more. That's like 25 times more, roughly. It's it's a good bit, yeah. It's it's exactly 25, yeah. Interesting. We talk about suffering our own minds, right? And we spend time internalizing these fears and mentally taking ourselves to negative spaces and suffering more in our own mind than in reality. But I feel like the, uh, we f- also fear, we've mentioned it in a few different things, but other people's actions and what they're going to do. I mean, even the corrupt politicians, like the, the almost 80% of the sample size of the population that they took was afraid of, right? That's all other people related stuff. And there's this other aspect that's not that it feels like there's a lot of fears that are based on other people's either actions or what they think or what they're going to do or all these things that are like, like we're really kind of afraid of other people, strangers, you know, new, new meeting new people, social anxiety. Like it seems like humans spend a lot of time being afraid of each other as well. Primarily, I would say actually realistically i think if we were probably honest about our fears that would probably take number one um yeah i i you know being afraid of a corrupt government in this case is probably just like eh that's what i'm afraid of but it's like we didn't go deep enough that's really not well what we're two three of. and four were also flavor of the week fears that are all related yeah. to covid so, so yeah kind of so makes was, sense i don't think they went deep enough as to what their fears actually are they they probably aren't even aware of how fearful they are of not just other people, but what uh, what other people think of them. And that's really where it comes down to is, you know, everyone's so worried about what everybody thinks of them. Uh, and that's yep. where we put a lot of our time and our attention is wondering, what does that person think of me? And what does that person think of me? And honestly, this by itself, this topic could be a whole episode because it's uh-huh. just something that it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's something everybody needs to come to terms with at some stage in their life. I mean, I, I don't think there is a, d- a degree of happiness to be found in life. If you're so busy worried about what other people think of you. Yeah. Which is, I know for me, something I struggle with, um, not necessarily from a like physical fitness standpoint or like, a who I am as a person. Cause I feel fine about those things. Like I really want, to get along with other people like I enjoy having a good time and meeting new people and getting to know new people and uh, if it doesn't go well or I don't feel like we click I, I historically have internalized that far more than I should um, and put more of that weight on myself when really like sometimes people just aren't compatible and that's been something that I've been working through and and kind of realized as I I did van life for a bit and traveled around and visited a whole bunch of people that I hadn't seen in a while. And as I traveled around and saw these people, there were some folks that I visited that was like, man, this is so great. Like, it's so good to spend time with this person. And there were other people that were like a chore, you know, as I was there and, and seeing them. So when you think about like worrying about what other people think or their opinions or anything like that. The people that like I engage with and click well, like maybe I do put weight into what they think because I value their opinion. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people that uh, just aren't compatible, that just don't gel, 
that they, we have differences of opinions and all that, and that's fine. And like, we have different viewpoints about things and that's okay. And be able to just move on from that, but, and not, and not internalize it, not reflect on what does that mean about me? Or is there more I could have done or what could I have done differently? Like, no, it's just okay to just move on from that situation and not, and not worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. that's and hard. Some of the, you know, some of the, you mentioned like, valuing some person's opinion over another stuff like that and you know it's always be mindful of the type of relationship you have whether it's vertical or horizontal like we Mm. talked about last week because you know that part of that is obviously going to play into it and it's most likely a vertical situation (laughs) i hear uh, (laughs) a little little squeak toy action going on in the background do you do you hear that yeah okay (laughs) going ham on that squeaker yeah she's in another room too that's the scary part Spooky. <laughs> oh, scary. <laughs> Pug noises. The, um, yeah, I mean, this is probably something I would have struggled with had my high school years been different, I think. Um, I spent a large chunk of my high school being on my own uh, and just kind of being okay with that. You know, I, I was one of those kids that when lunch would happen, I didn't eat school lunch. I didn't have friends at lunch, generally speaking. Um, so most of the time I would sit at a table by myself. And when you spend enough time doing that, you kind of come to terms with the fact that you don't really care what other people think about you. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, the yeah. first couple of times, it's hard to sit down at the table but after a while, you're just kind of like, I'm just here being me. And yeah, take right. it or leave I just it. Exist. I don't care. Yeah. And then you find that some people are like drawn to that and they come and sit down and they want to get to know you or talk to you. And other people, you know, they have their things that they want to talk about. But and you just kind of take away like, you know, they're probably just afraid of the fact that I'm not afraid to, you know, to do this and they would be afraid to do this. You know, a lot mm. of people do that where they're like, I would be too afraid to do that and so i'm upset at them because they're doing something that makes me look bad Hmm. (laughs) yeah it's such a roundabout way to come to that kind of conclusion too (laughs) it's those memes of like where the ladies lay next to the guy and she's like he's probably thinking about another woman and then the guy's got some thought bubble and it depends on where you find it but like he's thinking about a car he's thinking about a video game he's thinking about work he's thinking about did I replace the batteries? Like it's something completely different. And this is very similar where when we start worrying so much about what other people think and we go down that rabbit hole, like we are creating dialogue going on in somebody else's head that like is so unbelievably unfounded in reality that it's, it's when you really think about it, it's laughable. But in the moment when it happens and you're doing something like let's say a comic gets up on stage and does a joke. He is acutely aware of everyone in the audience's reaction, right? He's watching or she's watching and knowing like, oh, these people are laughing or these people aren't laughing. This is what they think. And they're creating this dialogue of like, oh, maybe I need to do this joke up more this way for this purpose. And that's a specific example where it's it's relevant that it matters what other people think because you're there to entertain. So you're ensuring you're doing your job of entertaining. However, the whole rest of our life, like your example about where you're sitting in the in the lunchroom, like who cares, <laughs> you know? But it's so hard not to care. It's so hard not to think about that. Like it shouldn't actually be something that matters that someone is doing whatever thing that's different than what you're doing. Um, 
but we see that that different thing happening and we start to construct this this narrative in our head once again oh you know they're thinking about this or hey he's doing this that sounds scary i wouldn't want to do that and he's probably judging us for doing this it's like my how how much we how much we spin the web in our own minds to create a reality that's scary. And it comes from our own conditioning and, you know, what we're exposed to and obviously who we're exposed to and, you know, yep. the way they, they handle things. But when you, when you basically have a fake dialogue in your head about what someone thinks about you, not only are you making a false narrative about what they think, but you're also painting a picture of who they are as a person without knowing anything about them. And so we've seen it hundreds of times before where you have an opinion of somebody and that opinion's not founded in reality. It's founded off the stories you've convinced yourself of and then you get to know them. Yeah. yeah, And you get to know them and it's vastly different than what you thought. And you hear the words, oh, I always thought you were like X, you know, Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but none of it has any basis. It's just, you know, what we've decided. Mm hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So my challenge is to, you know, to people is to, to show up and sit at the table, you know, just mm. sit at the table. Just walk don't be up afraid. To some, yeah. Don't be afraid. Strangers don't be afraid to just sit people. at the table. Yeah. You be by yourself at the table and, you know, just practice being uncomfortable with that. And I think that goes a long way. I mean, it's helped me throughout a large portion of my life because when I was in my twenties, it, it never really crossed my mind that much what people think. And now that I'm in my thirties, it never crosses my mind. <laughs> you could not I, care less. <laughs> I am more worried about how I think I did about something less about how you think I did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really all we should be worried about because we can only control us. So no reason to worry about what somebody else thinks about what we're doing. Yeah, it's, you know? it hardly ever crosses my mind, and when I do, it's usually something silly, and I'm just kind of like, "That's funny. I love that." Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, that's good. I I did not have the same experiences. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends in middle school though, so I did have some moments like that. I had a few friends that um were kind of the the go to uh to to go and spend time with it, things like that, but. I went to a new school for middle school and then went to a different school, like school system for high school. And so between the two, um, like switching and having all these new people and stuff, I definitely went through a lot of that worrying about what other people think. And, um, you know, it, that very well may have played into where I'm at now, you know, putting more weight in that and, and that being a little bit more of a fearful thing for me, um, that I, and working on coming to terms with, you know, even just talking through it now and, and debugging with you about it like that, it helps me recognize some of those fears myself and, and what things I spend mental energy on that I probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And it's, I, I think you're right that it probably does have some impact. I mean, ultimately the reality that we live is our experiences, our assumptions and our beliefs. We don't live in actual objective reality. We live, that's what kind of creates reality for us. Yep. And so that's what we have to work to kind of untangle a little bit is, you know, do I believe something that's accurate? Is it truth or as close to truth that it can be, you know, experiences and my, you know, my pushing myself to experience the things that are authentic and am I trying to stop assumptions? Cause I think that's a hard one is, you know, don't make assumptions if you can help it. That's pretty tricky yeah. on itself though, but yeah, that is tough. 
getting rid of assumptions. Oof. That's a hard one. Cause like it's, it's genetically wired into us. Like it's a, it's a safety. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, know, yeah, there's definitely <laughs> some assumptions that yeah. probably need to be made. Like, Oh, the light turns yellow. I'm assuming it's probably going to turn red next. <laughs> You know, yeah. we don't live in a true chaotic reality <laughs> where nothing can be. Yeah, but you got to surmise some things of your life. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. like whew, if if you couldn't assume anything, that would be like a medical condition, I would imagine. You know, like yeah, that would can't be bad. Feel pain. It yeah, would be yeah. something like that. <laughs> this is Chris. He can't assume. Well, I had no, no idea they were going to back up. Next. I saw their backup lights, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what they were going to do. <laughs> yeah, right. That's like... uh what kind of reasoning is that where you like if then if this then something else it's a if type this, of logic yeah it's like a logic logic I mean, statement very very it's simple like if then yeah. if else statements you know yeah yeah this, yeah then Anyways, that, yeah know. it's like that the, the inability to think in that space a little different than assumptions but anyways back to being scared of stuff <laughs> <laughs> i'm back scared of assumptions that's fair that's a fair thing to be afraid of. I think that too many assumptions would be a bad thing. It Probably. goes way too far the other way. Yeah. All right. So you, you wrote this, but I'll ask it. Um, final question here, because we always like to be actionable, right? And talk through what, uh, what things we have going on. So, Chris, what are you hiding from? What are you fearful of? So probably the biggest thing that comes to mind is starting a family. That is probably mm. the one thing I've hidden from for uh, thirty years, thirty-one years. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've, since I was born, yeah. I've known for a long time that I, or at least I had made the decision that I didn't want to have a family or have a kid or anything like that. But that has changed over the past couple of years, and I have really pushed it aside a lot because mm. there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear in it. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, that's definitely something I've hidden from and I'm still working through on a, on a daily basis, really. I mean, there was something I highlighted about, uh, about this in the book uh, that Ryan was read that Ryan wrote about how, you know, people get so caught up in fear and uncertainty that they even postpone starting the family that they always wanted. And I was like, ah, shit, Ryan. <laughs> Why are you talking to me like that, Ryan? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? What are you hiding from? You know, uh, we typed this question up. You typed this question up the other day. Um, and honestly, I don't feel like I'm hiding from anything right now, which is very unusual for me. Um, because had you asked this question to me and me been truly genuine in in answering it there were a lot of things like a year un, ago unhappy six yeah ago, maybe a year ago for sure um yeah. six months ago yeah probably as well so in the last 24 months um i went from married to single which uh is a positive life change for me um I went from a role, I got a promotion at my old career, uh, and I left that corporation because I just, I just was not happy and I was realizing I was investing my time and all my energy and effort into it, and I was afraid to leave on both of those situations uh, because 
I was afraid of being judged for it. And the idea that like, oh, you had this career and you left it, that just is crazy. So it's it's the fear of those things, but also the fear of what others may think of it. Um, and so really this past, these past couple of years have been a, a big journey for me of, of facing them and saying, and doing something about it, not just saying, this is something I'm afraid of. I'm afraid to, to leave this role that I'm in. Um, but to embrace it and say, I'm not, I'm going, not only going to do something about it, but I put together a plan. I, I saved money in a certain way. I set myself up to be able to take time off and be able to travel and, um, explore what I would actually like to do. Cause I got that job doing what I was doing, um, at 19, you know, and had been doing it until, I mean, it was almost 10 years that I had been there and had never really taken time to consider what else I could do. But that, that was scary. I was afraid of, of taking that time off, you know, because what if I this, or what if I that, or what if I don't find a job, or what if I don't figure out what I want to do, or whatever. Um, but removing all of those what ifs, and not living in this reality where I'm going to be harmed by all this stuff. Like, I know I have enough on hand to be able to do this, so why not? I know that I will be fine. I know that I'm competent enough to find another job. I've got a great resume. I worked for this company for almost 10 years. So that's extremely marketable and looks great. I know I could, you know, like I'm not, I don't not become me. I don't lose everything that I've had, uh, all the abilities that I have from that previous role. So really you talked about, and you had it in the notes here, like the logic side of it and, and logicking through it. That's really been helpful for me. Um, and I read meditations in there too. Who knows? Maybe that played a role in, in me being able to look past those fears and not live in them like I used to. It certainly didn't dampen the ability to do it. No, it absolutely (laughs) did not, for sure. So, yeah, right this second, man, I honestly don't know that I am. Um, That's a good spot to be. Yeah, Yeah. I've had more mental peace than I've had in a long time. Um, And I think what you were afraid of and what you kind of conquered over the last, you know, two years is something that probably resonates with a lot of people. I think what you decided to give up and step down from is one of those things that brings out, like provokes the fear of other people. Yep. And that's why you get a lot of pushback um, when you're Mm. like, oh, I'm going to do this. And a lot of people push back. It's usually their fear coming to the surface and they don't like it. They feel uncomfortable. So they're going to deflect it onto you. Yeah. I'd actually, I've been reading this book about alcoholism um, and it talks about the psychology of why people talk down to other people that are trying to stop drinking or don't drink and how basically it's the only drug that we do that with. You know, if you try to stop cocaine, people support it. But if you decide to stop drinking, people are quick to to jump in and tell you all these things that you shouldn't do. Oh, um, glass red wine's good for the heart. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the uh, the book pointed out that the psychology behind it is that when you when you go out with people and you don't drink and they do drink, it causes them psychological pain because they know it's bad for them and they're having to confront it and it makes them uncomfortable and they deflect that onto you instead of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whew, that's a heavy hitter. (laughs) Yeah, that really is. That's so interesting that people actually, when you overcome your fear in somebody else, it can make them fearful or Mm -hmm. feel, yeah. It makes their fear come up. Yeah. They're, makes they're, sense they hate their sure. job as much as you do, and they would love to leave it, but they're afraid. And by you leaving it, it shows them 
that you know makes them uncomfortable causes them psychological pain and so they deflect that onto you by saying oh are you sure that's the right thing to do oh are you sure you know you spent all this time oh just loosen up have fun Mm -hmm. just have a drink yeah you invest any number of things yeah right they try and rationalize why you should stay because if you do then it It makes makes it easier for them it reinforces their their decision yeah yeah, to not do it as well their anxiety yep Wow. You know, there's a uh, interesting that you mentioned, you know, it kind of reinforces their decision. There's a book on uh, renting. This is way off topic, but there's a book on <laughs> like why renting is better than buying a house. And one of the arguments for renting is that when you buy a home, you're influenced by your parents and other people that own a home and they influence you because it solidifies to them that it was the right decision for them to do it. That's why they want you to do it. And mm. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like it goes that deep that yeah. people really push on all their impressions and all their things and all their decisions so that they can feel good about what they did um, yeah. if you decide to do it, too. And I was like, yeah, so that book made me realize, like, wow, that that goes pretty deep. So that's something yeah. I'm always trying to be mindful of. It applies of to too. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it something for sure to pay attention to, like decisions that somebody else makes the same decision as you. They're more inclined to support your decision than they or even if even just little things like someone's yeah. getting into uh, you know they're getting into a certain style of coffee and you like coffee french press and you're quick to tell them why french press is better than the way that they do it hypothetically you're, of you're, course yeah <laughs> you're just reinforcing to them or you're reinforcing to yourself really why you think french press is so good it's just kind of like reinforcing your own behavior and i was mm. like wow that's mm-hmm. that's scary yeah. that's scary that stuff <laughs> scary terry not sponsored by Rick and Morty. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I know. Maybe one day. It'd be a very different podcast. If it I would be. Yeah. Just, I don't know. You, you know. never know what kind of things those guys are into. Yeah. Awesome, man. With it, hey, this was this is a good episode. It uh it definitely made me uneasy at points. Um and that's that's gonna do it for, for today. Hopefully this has given everybody out there reflection material as well as well. Have you spent time reflecting on your nightmares and anxieties, the things that hold us back that you're afraid of? Uh, Do your fears control you? Do they consume you? When was the last time you asked yourself what you're hiding from? Honestly, not the superficial stuff, but truly, you know, what are you afraid of? However you all came into this episode, we hope you leave it with an expanded mind. Thank you all once again, and never stop debugging. (laughs) Halloween noises. (laughs) 